Sermon on the Mount, and let's pay attention to verse number seven. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Then if you go to Matthew chapter six, notice verse number 12. This is part of the prayer Jesus taught his disciples and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Verse 14 and 15, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Now let's go over to Matthew 18. Praise God. Matthew 18. Love the sound of those pages rustling. People with Bibles. Now for you who don't have a Bible like Sister Curry we will take up an offering and try to look after you. Look at that. Joy comes after all the food has been devoured. Uh, she wants to come and hang out. Okay. Oh, it's not a problem. Since I'm harassing you and bothering you, this, you can apply this message tonight. <laughs> apply this message. Matthew 18, verses 23. Reading forward, therefore is the kingdom of heaven like unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I'll pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But then let's see where he went and found a servant who owed him some money. But notice what it says there in verse 28, the second half of it, says he laid hands on him and took him by the throat and said, pay me what you owe me. And Then he made sure the man ended up in prison. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, again, it's our privilege to break the bread of life. We're so grateful for an opportunity to fellowship with the saints. Thank you, God, that we could celebrate several birthdays. We're always so glad uh, to see each one that comes. As we look into the word tonight, Lord, speak to all of our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think all of us recognize that mercy and forgiveness is something we like to receive. Some people struggle with dispensing it or sharing it with other people. But as we look at this subject, which I've simply titled Free to Forgive, Free to Forgive, I want you to think about how God forgave you. Uh, he forgave me. And because he did that, uh, of whatever he forgave us, we still need to make sure that we, in turn, show that same kind of compassion and mercy to other people. Jesus told his disciples, if you're merciful, you obtain or receive mercy. The scripture said, if you refuse to forgive, then your heavenly father won't forgive you. So that is to say that his actions toward us have a lot to do with our actions toward one another. People don't usually think about 
their relationship with God in those terms, but that's certainly what the king is saying. So Jesus wants to illustrate this by telling a story. And the story he gives us is of a very wealthy king, and it says he would take an account of his servants. So this servant must have been a very high-ranking official. So why would you think that? Well, because anybody who owes someone 10,000 talents has to be in a position where they're handling lots of funds. They're dealing with lots of funds. And this particular king wanted to bring in all of his different officials and balance the books. Want to check out everything and make sure that all the receipts and everything had been in. And anybody that has a bank account, you know how important it is to do that. If you don't do that, you end up in a whole lot of whole lot of trouble. But in verse 26, or excuse me, 24, when it speaks of talents, uh, one talent, depending on whether this was a talent of silver or gold, in ancient time might have been the equivalent of about $1,200 or so. So let's just take a big round figure and just say $12 million or so this gentleman owed the king. That's a hefty sum of money. So he had to be misappropriating a lot. He had to be uh, uh, squirreling away a number of these funds. But yet, as with anything, it seems like when we do wrong, it catches up with us. You know, I think there's a verse in the Bible that says what's done in the dark will come to light. And we have a tendency to think that, well, nobody's looking over my shoulder, so nobody's going to see what I'm doing. And that goes back to the first sin. That's what Adam and Eve thought. They, they thought, surely nobody's going to be here at this tree when we reach out here and grab the fruit and then start start devouring it. Had no idea the Lord was sitting up there in the branches of the tree watching them, just following them around the garden. He goes wherever they are. He he knew what was taking place. And so 25, then it says he did not have the ability to pay. So the king or his employer said, take his family and put them all in jail. Now this this illustrates that our own individual sins and decisions will affect our family. This had nothing to do with whether or not his wife and children had did anything wrong, but it was the fact that because of his iniquity, the rest of the people have to enter into the problems of his life. And you can see that in the Old Testament over and over again. You find someone who makes a terrible decision and look at how it affects the next generation. You know, some of you remember when that man, Mr. Madoff, ended up in trouble because he cheated all those people. And <clears throat> there were lots of folks lost their retirement. It was actors and actresses that lost millions of dollars. And when it was time for him to go to jail and they're putting a lawsuit and everything together, folks are talking about, well, his wife you know, she, she, she's entitled to continue to live the comfortable lifestyle that she has become accustomed to while everybody else was broke. And people who wanted to retire, who thought they had a retirement income, had to go back to work, had to work another job, working, probably still working even to this day. But the point is, because of one man's iniquity, look how it affected his family, his children. And then the children and the families of a whole lot of other people, just because somebody said. Unlike today, if you got into a big amount of debt back then, and even in the colonial period, 
of this nation. You could end up in debtor's prison. You say, well, what's the point of debtor's prison? If they put you in debtor's prison, you'll never be able to pay back what you owe. True, but the idea was that your family likely would put the monies together in order to get you out of debtor's prison. Now, you know as well as I do, if some of you went to debtor's prison, your family wouldn't take up an offering at all to get you out of debtor's prison. You, you'd just be there, be there for a little while. Cause I, I know if something like that would have happened to me and they would have passed the hat in front of my brothers, they would have started laughing and they would have said he made his bed hard. So he's the one that has to lie in it now. So verse 26 then, so when the servant realized that his family was going to be affected by this, he fell down and notice he worshiped him. See, this man, he prostrated himself in the presence of this man. And I love his words. Have patience with me and I will pay you. Give me a chance. That's what he said. Give me a chance. Just just don't don't cut me off now. Don't mistreat my wife and my children. Give me an opportunity. I know that I owe you a large sum of money. But verse 27, the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion. He not only freed him, but he forgave him the debt. Isn't that something? I said 12 million. Could you forgive somebody $12 million debt that they owed that to you? I mean, you have to have a whole lot of money just to be able to turn away from $12 million. I've seen families fall apart over 100 Yeah. Split relationships and won't even talk to each other anymore simply because of some property or some vehicle or whatever might have been that caused problems. I don't know if I ever told you the story about when I went off to Marine Corps and then went to Okinawa, Japan, and I took my 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 lovely 1976 Skylark that I had striped in red, had crushed velvet seats. I put these beautiful rims on this vehicle. It was immaculate. I knew I was going overseas. And so I went to my grandma's house, jacked the car up, took the tires off, set the vehicle on blocks so that no one could drive it. And while I was gone in Okinawa, Japan, nobody even told me that they let my oldest brother drive the vehicle. And so I came home and I was wondering why my mom and them were, you know, quite pleased to put their car keys in my hand. They normally would never do that, but they, they did. And I started asking, I said, well, I think I'm going to go down to grandma's house and, and I think I'm going to go ahead and get the car out. And so they said, well, you don't want to go down there because the car is not there. I said, well, why would, why would the car not be there? Because that's where I left it. And she said, well, your, your oldest brother, Anthony, was having some car problems. And so I told him your car was down there. He wanted to use it. And so he was driving it to Columbus, Ohio, blew the engine and left the car on the side of the road. I said, well, where's the car now? They said, we don't know. Oh, my goodness. So quite naturally, quite naturally, my brother and I had some some kind and unkind words. (laughs) And he never did give me a dime for it. 
I mean, it's been 30-something years. He still haven't given me anything for that car. But I had to forgive. See? Had to forgive. So it says, loosed him and forgave him the debt. Now, when this occurred, if I could have put him in debtor's prison, I would have. There's no doubt about it. However... It didn't work out that like that. So this, this same man who was set free and then forgiven, he finds a man who, owe, who owes him what would be approximately, oh, let's say, let's say about $10.20. Because the pence in old English representing a penny. So we'll just say, say $10.20 or something like that. This man he grabbed him, didn't even ask him about the money, just grabbed him by the throat and then said, pay me what you owe me. And this gentleman, as you can see, he uttered the exact words that the other man uttered when he was talking to the king. But this gentleman here, he didn't pay him, pay him any mind. Now, when he was in the presence of the king, in the presence of the one that forgives, in the presence of the one that has all the resources, he was prostrating himself. He was humbling himself. But when he turned from the presence of the king, then he reverted back to what he was before he ever came to see the king, back when he was still in the money. And this is how people backslide. You move out of the presence of God. You move away from the presence of the Lord. And I can promise you, you go right back to what you were before you ever served God. Somebody can go to court and be found guilty and placed in jail for thievery. And for the 10, 15 years or two years, however long they're in prison, they won't steal anything as far as what they were doing on the outside. But I guarantee you one thing, if they don't change on the inside, once you get them out of the prison, they'll go right back to what they were doing. It's the same thing when somebody commits commits adultery as a habit, someone who is an alcoholic or whatever the circumstance is in the presence of God. That's where we find freedom. That's where we're set free. And that is where we find the ability to forgive, the ability to be merciful, because since God has been merciful to us, the expectation is what you have received, you now take it and share it with other people who also need forgiveness and mercy. That's not what he did. He found somebody who owed him very little in comparison to what he owed the king. And then he was basically ready, ready to, to harm him. So considering the many sins that God has forgiven you. Why are we so quick to be grudge bearers and to hold all kinds of offenses against people? When God has forgiven us so much, I'm sure if the Lord were to pull back the curtains on some of our lives in here right now. And he were to allow our neighbors sitting in front of us or next to us to get a glimpse of what we were like before we started serving God. Probably be more than one person in here who'd be embarrassed. Yeah. Well, then considering how great God's love has been toward us in covering a multitude of our sins, why do we have a hard time letting other people off the hook when they owe us? Well, they're indebted to us. 
Yeah, I, I would, I would have loved just to be able to get a get a glimpse of of Randy's life. The Lord were to just do this. See, just just well, may, maybe five minutes be enough. Just pull it back and look. You see, five minutes be enough. It says here, he took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe me. Now, this is a man who's not only angry, but he's hostile. And he's violent. This isn't this is a, a, a issue here. Have you ever been that angry that you wanted to lay hands on somebody or you did lay hands on somebody? I mean, setting aside your children. I'm just talking about somebody that you're, you're, you're mad at. But it says here, the fellow servant fell at his feet, said the exact same words. He said, have patience with me. I'll pay thee all. The words went in one ear, right out the other, because the man had a hard and callous heart. He believed in receiving forgiveness. He didn't believe in giving it. That's his problem. He did not believe in, in giving it. And the Lord said, for anyone who refuses to forgive down here, then you placed an impediment between you and God who's up there. I know Jesus lives in our heart, but you've got to really think about this. If you've got somebody in your family that hurt you 30 years ago and you're still mad and angry about that, you need to let it go. Because as long as you're meditating on that, they control you. Yeah. There's some people to drive past the cemetery, and I mean, they, they just, they get angry when they drive past it and think about the people that are out there that hurt them. Or there's some people won't go to a cemetery because they don't want to see the names on the headstones that give them bad memories. You don't need to be controlled by folks that have been dead for years. Allowing their name and their memories to control you like a puppet. See, Jesus sets the captive free. And once he sets the captive free, you're free to forgive. And once you forgive, you're entirely free, entirely free. And many Christians are in bondage today because all their life growing up, daddy never said, I love you. See, see, angry about that all their life growing up. Mama never came to one of my games. Well, maybe mom and them had to work two and three jobs just so you could go to a game and participate in a game. You see, somebody had to work. So the, the issue then is how do we handle the kind of grudges or the debts that people have toward us? If someone owes you something, you know what Paul said? Paul said, why would you be willing to go before an unjust judge? to take your case before him, he said, you'd be better off finding some wise saint in the church. I I don't know what, you know, there's battle going on now with all of this stuff, who's going to go on the Supreme Court and everything, but everybody likes somebody to be able to adjudicate what's going on when they're having a problem with this person or a problem with this person. But a church is a place where there should be people wise enough to handle certain circumstances. Yeah. And it's hard to deal with grievances and have both parties come out happy. And, and sometimes I've had to get involved with circumstances where I had to sit down and try to mediate, 
people at war with one another in church and still trying to take communion, but yet despising people that are in church with them. You know, so you gotta, gotta be careful about all of that. So this, this man here, he decided he's going to be the judge and the jury and grab this man by the throat. And then you can, you can also see that he put the man in prison till he should pay the debt. That goes back to what I was saying. How do you pay a debt in jail? You expect your family members to do it. I think we'd all rather stand before the king rather than standing before this guy. Yeah. That, that can't be a, an easy job when you have to make decisions about people after they have been accused and then found guilty. But verse 31 says, the fellow servants saw what he did. They were very sorry. They came and told the Lord. The Lord then called him back. So you know it's not going to be nice now. Got to stand before him again. And when he stood before him this time, he said, I forgave you all the debt because you desired it. See, here's the key. Jesus is telling a story here about our relationship with God and how we should interact with one another. We go to God and we say, Father, forgive me of my sin. You know that I've done wrong. And then we come back two days later or the same day and say, Father, forgive me for what I said. Forgive me for what I've done. And over and over again, the cycle continues. Because as long as we're in this flesh and blood body, there'll never be true perfection in us. All of us are going to have to make use of the blood of Jesus likely every day. So when you lay your head down on that pillow, you have to say, Father, I thank you for keeping me this day. I'm so grateful that you've been good to me. But Father, forgive me for what I failed to do that you wanted me to do when I failed to hear when you were speaking to me, when I failed to go, when you were guiding me. But Lord, I lay my head on this pillow knowing that my righteousness and salvation is secure in your son. And if I drew my last breath in this bed, I know I'm coming up in that first resurrection. I'm going to be right there with you in eternity. Everybody has to take advantage of the blood. But there are some people that think because they've been forgiven, all is well, and they don't need to forgive anybody else, and God's never going to hold them to account. He will. He will. You can, you can be evil in your heart towards people that have done wrong to you, but just make sure when you think about how you're treating them, think about how you treated others. If you've ever lied on someone, then be careful about how you're going to handle somebody that lies on you. If you've ever stolen something, I don't care if it's just a piece of candy, see, then you be careful about how you are going to handle somebody else that steals. The scripture says, don't despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger. You see, I, I talked to a man one time. He told me during the Great Depression, things were so bad he said he was a Christian. He loved the Lord, went to a good spirit filled church. But he said he was a it was a young man, had several kids. This would have been back 29, 30, somewhere around there. And he said and he said he's ashamed of it now, but he wasn't ashamed of it then because he said he had a family that that needed to keep warm. And he said when that truck, when that train would pull in down there by the Republican River in Red Cloud, he said he and some of his friends would go down and steal lumps of coal. Just so they could burn them in the house. Try to keep keep warm. You see, you can't you can't hate a man like that. You see, hard to despise somebody like that. That doesn't make it right. 
I'm just saying it's hard to hate someone like that. Back when they, when they, uh, Mr. LaGuardia used to run the night courts. Uh, LaGuardia is uh, the name for one of these, these airports over there, I think in Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, he, he used to be a night court judge, and they had a case came before him one time, and there was a lady who had been arrested for stealing a loaf of bread in a grocery store. This also during the Depression. So Mr. LaGuardia, he listened to it and they brought the, you know, they read all the, the, the accusations and everything. And the, the prosecutor is there with the grocery store owner and he's angry and upset because his property has been taken. And it's like a small claims court is what it is. Well, you know, back then a loaf of bread didn't cost a whole lot, but what it did cost was still a good, good amount of money for people then. And then the the uh, defense man got up speaking on her behalf and, you know, talk. But Mr. LaGuardia said to the lady, is all this true? You took this man's bread out of the grocery store. She said, I know what I did was wrong. She started crying. She said, but I just couldn't stand it anymore. My little babies were at home and they were hungry. And so Mr. LaGuardia took that gavel and he Slammed it down and said, you're guilty. And uh, then he went on and said to the bailiff, I want you to come up here and take this whatever kind of little hat or bucket they had. He said, I want you to pass it around to everybody in this courtroom. He said, I want everybody in the courtroom to put some money in here for this mother, including the grocer. See? And so when she stood before the judge, she was guilty. It was a crime. There's no doubt about it. But the judge was merciful. See? And in that mercy, the lady walked out having received favor from the judge. And she walked out with more than she had when she walked in. It's a good judge. Yeah. I don't know if that ever happened in Judge Cody's court. But, <laughs> but I, I assume that might have happened once or twice, you see. But you can see how when we stand before the king and we go before God, the Lord, he has been so gracious to all of us. If, if you really think about the kinds of sins that God forgives, why would we ever complain about anything? Yeah. Yeah. Here, here's a here's somebody with a foul mouth. God forgives them. Here's somebody that really has never done anything wrong in their life, been exceptionally moral, but their moral, their morality is still self-righteousness. God forgives them. Then here's somebody sitting in jail because they bothered some little kids and been doing it for 30 years, and then they end up dying, and just before they die, they call upon the name of the Lord. And God lets them in. A thief hanging on the cross next to Jesus a few feet away from salvation, one condemns himself because he mocks the Lord. Another one hanging there says, remember me when you enter into paradise. Aren't you glad it's him on the throne rather than one of us? It'd be trouble. It'd be trouble if it was one of us. Let's finish this up. So he says in verse 33, shouldn't you have had compassion on your fellow servant? Yes. Remembering the pity that I had on you. And his Lord was angry and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due to him. So this man is going to be tormented, 
Pain is going to be applied to his body because how he applied pain to the body of the man that owed him. He grabbed him by the throat. Pay me what you owe me. You reap what you sow. And even Jesus said that if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. Nobody can sow to the flesh except of the flesh they reap corruption. So likewise shall your heavenly father do also unto you if all of you from your hearts do not forgive everyone his brother that trespasses. That means you can't forgive most people. You can't forgive the ones that you like, but hold on to your anger for the ones you don't like. You have to forgive everyone. That's what he said. Yeah. People closest to you, your worst enemies, you got to forgive them. The ones you don't like to work with on the job, that preacher you don't like, got to forgive him when he harasses you and you come in late. Yeah. Got to forgive him. I'm telling you, you may not want to love me, but you got to love me. If you want to yeah, go to heaven, you do. If you want to go to heaven, and, and I've got to love you. Uh, we, we had a, a family in one of the churches years ago, and they had got angry over something that happened in the church with some other people, and they didn't like it. So they decided they're going to quit church. <clears throat> so I get a phone call. And they say, you know, Pastor Darrell, can we meet with you? Now, now, mind you, once people have already made the determination that they've quit church, I'm no longer their pastor, so why do I need to go see them anyhow? But I went on over there, and, and I sat there, and they're talking about this and talking about that. And, and finally, one of them said to me, you know, you talk a lot about forgiveness and mercy and compassion the lady said to me, I want to know, can I go to heaven without having forgiven someone? See, that was the question, because see, there's bitterness in the heart that is developed. They're holding a grudge against somebody in the church and the person in the church didn't even know they were holding the grudge. You know, and so she 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 said she asked me that question. So I said, well, let me read you a verse in the Bible. So I read one out of Mark 11, which essentially said what we read earlier. If you refuse to forgive, your heavenly father won't forgive you. So I said, you, you take that, you do what you want with that. But I said, here's the other thing. I said, since you no longer are my parishioner, you're no longer my problem. And I got up and walked away. Yeah, yeah. See, if, if people are interested in solving a dilemma or a problem, you solve it before you make the decision to rip, a, a, rip apart a relationship. See, it's not after you've divorced that you decide, let's sit down and talk about a few things beforehand. It's not after you've decided, I don't want to see him or anybody in that church ever again, that you call and then say, could someone come and visit me? Oh, but despite all of that, as Christians, you still have to be free to forgive. I don't want anybody controlling me in the middle of the night. I'm sure there are a whole lot of people that in the past with their relationships have laid awake at night and had veins developing in their forehead and in their neck and couldn't sleep and developed ulcers and all of that. I can tell you, I sleep very good at night. Yeah. 
I eat me a good bowl of salted caramel ice cream and I go straight to sleep. Yeah. So while somebody's angry and upset about this or about that, I'm right there in the bed and I'm resting and relaxing and how wonderful God's grace is. Because if he's forgiven me so much, and I know he has, yeah, then I got to be willing to forgive a whole lot of other people. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for an opportunity to fellowship with these saints and to be able to look into the scripture and see what thus saith the Lord about forgiveness and mercy and compassion. Help each one of us to live close to you in that way. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen, 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 amen.